1: Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I am not Dan Patrick. I am Nick Eber, along with another man who is not Dan Patrick, Nick Webster. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you tonight as we are each and every weeknight from 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a lot to get to today. A big show Coming up, we will be speaking with the U.S. Soccer Foundation's president and CEO, Ed Foster-Simeon, who has, well, he's a busy man, and he's got a lot on his plate, including a big lawsuit against U.S. Soccer. We're going to talk to Ed about the situation with the lawsuit, where it's at, what's been going on, and, of course, we'll talk to him about the great work done by the U.S. Soccer Foundation. As well, Nick Webster and I, of course, will talk Champions League football in a day that saw a rousing performance by Manchester City and a big surprise in Madrid. Uh, Nick Webster, we have our hands full tonight.
2: Yeah, the quality of football on display in the Champions League was simply breathtaking. I thought City, for all their failings, showed that they have a serious set of balls on them. And uh, Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone, he was the one uh, making the uh, celebration with the balls in hand. So I guess it's just it's a big day of balls in the Champions League. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get to that
1: and, of course, loads more. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't welcome to the show all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening to us, uh, courtesy of the American Forces Network. Of course, I'm talking about our wonderful service, men and women. Uh, we are so glad that you make us a regular part of your week. We have a lot to get to, as I mentioned. So Twitter, I am at Nick Geeber. He is at Nick Webster. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash 5th Street Sports Talk. And we're also coming to you live on iHeartRadio and TuneIn and Twitch and Snitch and Watch and Snatch and everything you want to – everywhere you want to be, well, that's where we are. If you have a thought, comment, something on your mind, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be opening the phone lines up uh, after we speak to Ed here from U.S. Soccer Foundation – this should be a great chat. You don't want to miss it. We're going to step aside, take a break. We'll be right back in three minutes. Be sure to stay with us on The Street soccer. Hey, not to brag, but Buffalo Wild Wings is the official chicken wing of the NCAA. Yep, soak it in. You know who isn't the official chicken wing of the NCAA? Your couch. Because your couch doesn't have a partnership deal with the NCAA. So do you want to be home on your couch, the official nothing of the NCAA? Or do you want to be at Buffalo Wild Wings, the official place that has lots of TVs and beers and screaming fans, and it's officially better than your couch for college basketball. Buffalo Wild Wings. Please drink responsibly. A major data breach just exposed millions of Americans to a crime that could cost you your home. Here's retired FBI agent Art Fitsenmeyer for Home Title Lock.
0: Title fraud is one of the fastest-growing crimes, and in a moment, I'll tell you how to find out if you're already a victim. Home mortgage files are kept online now, and breaches like this could put you at risk of losing your home. If you have a home loan through a major bank, your mortgage and private data may have been stolen. Scammers forge documents stating you sold your home. Then they'll take out loans on your property and stick you with the payments. You won't know until late payment notices show up or you get evicted. And no bank, insurance, or identity theft programs protect you. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects you from title fraud. Now here's how to find out if you're a victim.
1: Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register for your
3: title scan and report. A $100 value free with sign-up. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Cars that sound like this. Trust Pennzoil Synthetics to protect their engines in extreme conditions. Top racing teams know that Pennzoil Synthetics give them the performance to help them succeed. And your car's engine deserves the same. Because your daily commute is no less important. Get complete protection for top engine performance, just like the pros. Visit Pennzoil.com rebate to save on Pennzoil Synthetics. Terms apply.
0: It has been said that everyone has a book in them. But do you have the time or the ability to write your book?
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the show, Fist Street Soccer. I'm Nick Eber, along with Nick Webster. And look, folks, if you've been listening to me on the airwaves talking football for, well, coming on nearly 20 years now, uh, you will know that I am always very critical of most of the U.S. soccer media, who for many, many years have just given a big pass to Major League Soccer, U.S. soccer Um, uh, soccer united marketing the whole machine has for many many years just been given a pass on everything it does not so much lately however i'm pleased to say as the sport has grown in popularity many media outlets and journalists out there are asking some of the hard questions and we're going to do that tonight because Joining us on the show is the president of a very, very important foundation, the U.S. Soccer Foundation. This is a charitable organization whose goal is to grow the game in primarily underserved areas. So before I get onto my soapbox, I'm gonna let I'm gonna welcome our guest. I'd like to welcome Ed Foster Simeone to the show. Ed is president and CEO of the U.S. Soccer Foundation. Ed, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Great to have you with us.
4: Nick, it's an honor to be on your show, and I really am thankful that you invited me on. So I look forward to having a nice conversation tonight.
1: Oh, absolutely. Ed, first of all, tell our listeners, if they don't know already, you'll obviously do a much better job than I just did, about the important work that the U.S. Soccer Foundation does here in America.
4: Yeah, the foundation uh, has existed uh, for 25 years and focused uh, exclusively on growing the the game of soccer in the United States. We've invested in programs and field building projects in all 50 states. We've invested over $100 million in the game, in growing the game, and helped at every level of the game. Um, When we recognize um, the growing gap, between those with affluence who could afford to participate in soccer and children in low-income communities being left out basically because they could not afford to participate. We made that our primary focus, and we've been driven by that mission of creating access and opportunity for low-income children in uh, underserved communities uh, and having great success with that work. Uh, last year, we served 70,000 children in underserved communities across this country, providing them with access to free after-school soccer programming uh, three days a week uh, with trained coach mentors who not only help them develop their soccer skills, but who help them develop life skills and, you know, active, healthy lifestyles that are going to benefit them not only on the playing field, but in their lives. So we were really surprised and disappointed. Uh, when USSF uh, informed us that they wanted a divorce, and not only that, they wanted us to change our name, to abandon hold, hold, the name hold, that we... Hold
1: that thought there, Ed. Hold that for one second, mm-hmm. because um, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to get to that, but but I just want to recap what you just said. For mm-hmm. the last 25 years or so, the foundation has been pouring a lot of charitable money into the inner city to do the one thing that if, you, if, if our listeners have been listening to me for 20 years, I have been saying the sport will not grow to the heights it needs to until it penetrates the inner cities and the underserved areas of this country. This game cannot be a white, upper-middle-class sport. It will never get where it needs to. We will never tap into the true talent in this country. But unfortunately, the machine that is behind it, is the machine that likes to perpetuate that status quo? Because for them, that's where the money is. So, Ed, you're doing this great work. You were born out of the same mother, really, as Major League Soccer. That was the uh, uh, the World Cup in the United States back in uh, 1994, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you were uh, Some seed yep. money there is, is what uh, brought the foundation to uh, the forefront, much like Major League Soccer. Uh, and you have been working hand-in-hand hand with U.S. Soccer ever since. Now, all of a sudden, after you assisted U.S. Soccer, and correct me if I'm wrong here, after you assisted U.S. Soccer in a big way in getting the bid for uh, the World Cup back to the United States, all of a sudden... U.S. Soccer turned around and said, hey, it's been great. Thank you very much. Give us the name. Give us what you do. You can bugger off, and we'll take it on here. And there's only it's, – it's just – its look, I can't say I'm surprised, but, Ed, what on earth is their rationale for this? You
4: know, I, I, don't, I don't try to, you know, put my – I can't put my, my mind into them. I don't know what their motivations are. Only they know what they are trying to accomplish. What I do know is that it's a real threat to our organization. Uh, The brand that we have operated under exclusively for 25 years, no one else has used this brand, U.S. Soccer Foundation, for 25 years. We've become known for this work that we do in underserved communities of creating access and opportunities for those children who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to participate you know we've built goodwill in those communities we've learned over the years how to make a meaningful difference in those communities how to engage at the grassroots level in communities that might not have the social infrastructure in place that supports traditional soccer clubs and figure out how to make it work in those communities so we are you know this is a big threat to us because we have invested so heavily in this and any, and it, anything that threatens our ability to do this work, which we think is incredibly important, it fills this important gap. Listen, there's a lot of great things happening in soccer. The game has grown phenomenally over the years. There's no question about that. But the, everyone recognizes that there's this huge gap with low-income children who cannot afford to participate in the pay-to-play model. So we're leaving millions of children on the sideline who should be able to enjoy all the benefits of this game that we love so much.
1: You're listening to Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM Channel 211. I'm Nick Geber along with Nick Webster. We're talking to Ed Foster Simeone, who is the president and CEO mm-hmm. of the U.S. Soccer Foundation. And we are talking about not only the important work that they do at the foundation, which is growing the game in areas... Uh, the inner city, in underserved areas, low-income areas. Uh, But we're talking about this unbelievable power play and money play that has been made by U.S. Soccer and its leadership under Carlos Cordero to take back the name, or to take the name, not even take back the name, to take the name U.S. Soccer Foundation, the logo, and all the goodwill uh, associated therein. Uh, Ed, did you have a chance today to see the Wall Street Journal article Uh, written by Rachel Bachman, about Carlos Cadero?
4: Yeah, I I saw the article. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, a couple of things uh, struck me about this article, uh, especially in light of of, of talking to you on the air today. Uh, Some really important things stood out. First is the very first sentence. He says, Uh, Carlos Codero acknowledges the federation doesn't actually know how many young soccer players it has playing under its umbrella. And uh, what he does know is that participation isn't growing. He says their goal is to unify and expand youth soccer. Those were two of his priorities when he became president. That they want to grow it through grassroots into areas where the game is not growing right now namely the inner city and economically underserved areas. Ed, I scratch my head because you've been doing that work while they've been plowing millions into the men's and women's national team. Uh, They're thinking about a new training center. Apparently, they're sitting on about $150 million in the bank uh, in stocks and bonds investment. It's left to philanthropy to grow the game. All right, we do have to go to break. We're going to continue the discussion on the other side, folks. Stay tuned. This is really, really important stuff. Nick Eber and Nick Webster. We're speaking with Ed Foster Simeone, the U.S. Soccer Foundation. We'll be right back after these messages. Send us a question via Twitter if you have one. I'm at Nick Eber. He's at Nick Webster. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: That's 800-570-9631. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets?
3: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
0: It's wank, wank, money in the bank. This one's just for you. Wank, wank, money in the bank. It's all that
1: I all right. can't think of anything more appropriate to come in with than that song Wank Wank Money in the Bank. Welcome back to Street Soccer. I bring that up because we are speaking with Ed Foster Simeon from the US Soccer Foundation about the uh, about US Soccer's horrible grab for both the name and the goodwill and the logo of the US Soccer Foundation that has done such great work over the last 25 years. There can only be one reason, and that has to do with money in the bank, which seems to be the one thing that concerns U.S. soccer above and beyond everything else. Welcome back, Ed. Uh, you've got uh, Nick Gieber here, uh, Nick Webster. I know Nick has a couple of questions for you. Uh, before the break, I asked, what was U.S. soccer hoping to get out of this, Ed? In my opinion, it's just a way for them to get more money. H- how do you see it?
4: Well, you know, I, again, I don't want to speak to their motivations. I don't know what their, are. all I know is that we've been in working in this space, uh, for the longest time and really made significant investments and shown an ability to grow the game significantly. We've seen 39% year over year growth, uh, in participation for the last three years. Uh, you know, at a time when participation in soccer has been flat. The demand and the need for this kind of work in underserved communities is very clear. And we figured out how to make it work in those communities in a way that's authentic to those communities, that people can engage in it and can participate in it in a way that works for them. And so, you know, we think there's a huge opportunity here to grow even more. Uh, Last year, we served, as I mentioned, 70,000 kids uh, on an annual basis. This year, we will to serve a children in underserved communities uh and that number is we've set a target that by 2026 we want to engage a million children in underserved communities uh by the 2026 world cup and to build a thousand safe places for those kids to play in low-income communities you know this work is is is, is significant it's an uphill climb you know, and anything that makes it more uh, difficult to do that work is just is just not acceptable.
2: Ed, uh, Nick Webster here. You know, what you're doing is really remarkable, and, and having been involved in soccer in this country since uh, 1989, I too can see the growth of the game and see how it's exploding. I've also, unfortunately, been involved on the other side of the game in, in club soccer, and it always amazes me that the – perhaps most cheapest sport in the world, namely association football, soccer, because all you need is a ball, is one of the most expensive sports to play in the United States of America. Can you riddle me that, Ed? Because I really have a hard time getting my head around the fact that having you know 20 kids playing on a small little area with one ball turns into this multi-billion dollar industry on the club soccer side of things and i know us soccer have got their hand out and they are taking more than their fair share of that pie
4: well listen you know, i think the game there's many aspects of the game and kids will participate in whatever kinds of programs that they are able to participate in so uh having been a, i was a club president of a 3000 player club in northern virginia and the fact of the matter, you had recreational kids, you had uh, travel kids, club kids, you had all kinds of kids. The real challenge here is not for, with the children who have access and opportunity to play in the existing model. The real challenge here is how do we create access and opportunity for children who don't come from households that can afford to participate in that model? And, you know, that's what we do at the U.S. Soccer Foundation. We have found a way to provide free access to programming for children in underserved communities with trained coaches three days a week that not only is teaching the kids soccer, but also helping them develop. And those other things that will help them overcome some of their difficult situations that they're growing up in.
2: Uh, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. And I, and I think it's, so uh, noble of your org- organization to to get out there and spend some money. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to spend more money. I want you to spend money in, in Southern <laughs> California. I want you to spend money in Florida. I want you to spend money in the hotbeds of, of soccer because mm-hmm. there is so much talent here that cannot even get a sniff because they don't have the money to play in these ridiculous clubs, these insane academies, where I've I've had kids this year, Ed, that have gone from L.A. to play in three games in Florida and get about 20 minutes of playing time in the supposed academy system. Tell me how that helps mm-hmm. U.S. soccer.
4: I, I can tell you what I can tell you is that the work that we're doing in places like South Central Los Angeles, uh, where we serve over 1,000 children in South Central right now uh, through a partnership with a a community-based group called the Brotherhood Crusade, um, that we build a pitch in that community right at the intersection of several gang areas, and that pitch has transformed the community. Not only are the kids coming out and playing, the children that we're trying to reach, the 6- to 12-year-olds, but now families are coming out. Adults are coming out and playing. A whole soccer culture and community is built around this work. And to us, that's how we will get things going in these communities, that you, you provide the seed and the catalyst that stimulates the kind of change that you're looking for. You want soccer to be part of the fabric of the neighborhood. You want it to be what children do when they come outside of school. And so we're building uh, what we call mini pitches right on schoolyards, right in neighborhood parks, so that kids don't have to get in a car and go across town to a special destination, that they can play right in their neighborhood. We did, we're doing 50 and fifty mini pitches in New York City in partnership with NYCFC, Adidas, and, and New, the Mayor's Fund for uh, New York City. We're doing 50 pitches in Chicago with the Chicago Fire and the Chicago Parks Authority and with the generous help of, uh, of Ken Griffin, of the citadel uh, who is invested in this work in chicago so we're really um investing in trying to change the landscape in the way that it supports play at the neighborhood level in, for children in underserved communities just the way kids grew up playing basketball in big cities across this country there's a basketball court at the corner there's easy access there's not a whole bunch of costs associated with participation so we're trying to create that for low-income children so that our game is just as accessible and just as uh, easy for them to participate in as anything else.
1: Yeah, but Ed, you know what? Well, from uh, your what lips really, to God's ears. What, what, what really steams me up, Ed, and, 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 gets, and, and gets my face red and my voice elevated and you know could potentially get me thrown off the air if I really say how I feel, is that US soccer is sitting on an investment pool of approximately one hundred and thirty to one hundred and fifty million dollars. This isn't money that's going to uh the US men's and women's national team, that's already handled in a different bucket. This isn't money yeah, they may spend twenty million to open a training center somewhere on the east coast. But what they're doing is they're doing what you would expect an economics professor from Columbia to do with his money which is to stick it in investments. So in terms of being an investor, I'm sure they're doing very well. In terms of reinvesting that money, not for a percentage return with uh, with some investment banker somewhere. It's reinvesting it in the community of the United States. It's reinvesting it for those children and young people coming into the game today who could be the future superstars for tomorrow. And even if they're not, Ed, the life lessons they're going to learn through this wonderful sport that we all love is invaluable and will do nothing but better the society that we live in. Why are they sitting on this money, Ed? Why aren't they investing it?
4: You know, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure that they have strategies and plans for how they want to use those dollars. I mean, they run a big operation over there. So I I am not going to... You know, it's not my place to try and evaluate their business and what they're doing. What's really important to us is our ability to continue to do this work that we are doing, that we are seeing success, we're able to grow participation in low-income communities. I, I don't know. I, for years, we've heard the discussion about we have to reach into these communities. And we've figured out a way to do it. we spent years learning how to engage in these communities. And our focus is on bringing access and opportunity to those children who otherwise wouldn't be able to participate.
1: Which? So, so all why stop you from doing be it? With the game writ large, mm. why stop you from doing it, Ed? I mean, what, 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 why? I mean, you know, we we don't know what their motivations are. This is a travesty. You're doing such good work that I think we've made clear they are not doing themselves. And all of a sudden, you know, they don't want to be a passenger; they want to be a driver. I don't think they're qualified for that, to be fair, Ed. I think you guys are the ones under the mantle of what you're doing. You should keep your ticket, keep your name, keep your logo, keep your affiliation. Uh, But for God's sake, uh, if they keep this up, uh, throw the head of U.S. soccer off your board, because I believe he's on it, right?
4: (laughs) You know, know, we're committed to continuing to do this work. Um, And because this work has deep meaning for us, you know, this game is, is the world game. And this game has always been accessible to everyone from every economic level. Throughout the world, in fact, it's largely low ink it comes up from the bottom. The game comes up from the bottom. You know, and we are really committed as as at the US Soccer Foundation to making the kinds of investments of time, of thinking, of resources, and of relationship building to build back into our underserved community, the low income communities, the low-income communities, where children have been left on the touchline without a look-in, without a look, in, without a look at all. And now they're getting to play, you know, and they're getting to enjoy Ed, this game.
1: And unfortunately, we are out of time. We would love to have you back. Great work you do there. You can find them at uh, ussoccerfoundation.org. Uh, Ed, keep it up. We're behind you. Come back on. Tell us how it's going. We're fighting. We'll be there with you in the trenches. Ed Foster, Simeon, thanks so much. I'm Nick Ibram. I like to have a nice, smooth shave. I do have a goatee. I like to make sure the skin around it is nice and smooth. And, you know, when you're using one of those disposable razors, you never know what you're going to get. You don't get a great shave. I tell you, I have found the solution to my shaving issues with Harry's Razors non-slip, comfortable handle. I think these are absolutely the best. Right now, you can get a $13 value trial set. Comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle. A five-blade razor with a lubricating strip. A rich, lathering shave gel. A travel blade cover. You can get a $13 value trial set right now. Go to harrys.com forward slash World Soccer. Go right now, harrys.com, forward slash worldsoccer. Redeem your offer right now and let them know that I, Nick Gieber, sent you harrys.com, forward slash worldsoccer to go get your Harry's Razors. Street Soccer, Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM, Channel 211. Nick Eber, Nick Webster with you. Nick, interesting discussion with Ed Foster-Simeon from the U.S. Soccer Foundation. Uh, Looks like U.S. Soccer are doing the usual thing. They're trying to put their hands into everybody else's pockets.
2: Well, uh, that's how organizations stay in the pole positions. And, you know, I, I really admire what US, uh, the U.S. Soccer Foundation has done over the last 30, 40 years. Really is an incredible organization. Uh, all credit to Ed for hanging in there and uh, fighting the good fight because there's no way they should give up their name and all the goodwill that they've produced over the last 30 years for naught.
1: You know, Nick, I, I constantly hear – and we're going to get to the Champions League folks, uh, so don't worry. But, N- Nick, I constantly hear these sort of same – siren songs coming from people around the U.S. national team and U.S. soccer. You know, How do we get the game into the inner city? I mean, you, know, you and I, Nick, for 20 years we've been saying the game needs to develop and be, uh, and be popular in the inner city for it really to grow. I mean, just look at what's happening with Atlanta United, by the way. I think that's a great example uh, for you. Uh, we talk about you know, the US, U.S. soccer itself, the U.S. men's national team. The Canadian Premier League, Nick, is kicking off this coming year. And, of course, there are currently, what, three MLS teams that play in Canada? So they won't be a part of it. But this is the new first division of football in Canada that's mandated by FIFA that they have one, which was part of the bid that got Mexico, the United States and Canada the World Cup, they were required to have a Division I program of their own. So this is what they've done. But, Nick, one of the things I found fascinating was the actual player rules. I'm just going to read some of these out. and will get you a take on them. So the squads are 20 to 23 players. They can only have seven foreign nationals in each squad. They have to have each starting 11 has to feature six Canadians in each starting 11. And three of the domestic players must be under 21 years old and combined those three players must play a minimum of one thousand minutes per season nick you've got to admit that's very well thought out
2: well it's it's well thought out but i've got to wonder where all the money's coming from because the travel costs for this canadian premier league are going to be absolutely insane i mean the the longest journey is something like four and a half thousand miles i mean you might as well be going halfway around the world so uh, I, I, th- I think that we need to, you know, before we jump on the bandwagon. And, and of course, I am very impressed with how they want to really push the Canadian players, especially with the World Cup arriving in Canada in 2026. But uh, it's, I, th- I think we're going to have to hold off before we uh, we really give them the the credit they deserve.
1: No, I'm not trying to do that. I was really more pointing out, uh, you know, the interesting homegrown player rules and, and how they're trying to grow the game professionally in their country, given that they get to start with a clean slate, which, let's face it, is both a blessing uh, and a curse in many respects, a curse because you have to start growing it business-wise from the bottom. You're not going to have a lot of money. You've got to get into the hearts and souls of a country that's primarily occupied with hockey. Uh, but the, the blessing, of course, is the, it's a blank slate, and you get to do it sort of the way you knew it should be done, everybody, everywhere else. Fascinating to watch. Let's see how the game grows in Canada. And we wish our northern neighbors uh, much success. Nick, let's go to Europe, though, where we had a uh, two rather, shall we say, uh, low-scoring games yesterday. 0-0, uh, of course, Leon barcelona and Liverpool-Bayern. Uh, today, though, a couple of big surprises. I mean, uh, Atletico Madrid beating Juventus 2-0 uh, at the Estadio Metropolitano in Madrid. And and Schalke, I mean, getting beat 3 2 at the uh, Alf Schalke in Gelsenkirchen, a man up over Man City. Nick, what a day of Champions League football.
2: Uh, it was sensational. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to watch the uh, Juventus Atletico Madrid game. Uh, just two teams going at it hammer and tongs and. I mean, it looked like for all, all intents and purposes, it was going to get going to be another nil-nil draw. Uh, I thought Atletico were really unlucky with the Morata header that was chalked off due to VAR. looked a very soft decision, but they kept on going, and, and that's always been a a feature of Diego Simeone's teams. I mean, come on, the, the, the man was a was a hard-nosed, tough tackling player for Argentina and uh, for many years in the Italian Serie A. And his players just love playing for him. I mean, the 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 difference between him and Jose Mourinho. I mean, it's just it's 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 so clear to see. And of course, we had Cristiano Ronaldo for Juventus, and even Ronaldo's brilliance wasn't enough on the day. Two goals by the two centre backs for Atletico, and and good value for the win, if you ask me. And then, of course, the the City game. I mean, two penalties for City, a red card for City. I mean, uh, yet another another occasion where. They could have quite easily rolled over with a, with a whimper, but I think Pep Guardiola's turned turned his team into something. governor uh, let it go, Madrid as well. They just kept going. Uh, Leroy Sana came off the bench to bite the hand that used to feed him with a free kick that I mean I could watch a thousand times. And then uh, and then Schalke went to sleep and allowed Sterling to nick the winner. So congratulations to City. Really was a fantastic performance and and a great advert for the game of football. Yeah, what what happened to Schalke? I mean, it's
1: like they went up and then they just went to sleep and they didn't realize who they were playing.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I think for it was for, what two was, one right Nick? It was two yeah, one. City City yeah, got two, the early they, goal.
1: Then there were two penalties, right?
2: Yeah, they were two, they were two one up, but it wasn't like two one up and cruising. I mean, City right, were right. playing playing you know some great football, but just couldn't find the back of the net uh you know Schalke's problem was that they were playing City and when they did have the advantage of being 2-1 up I mean in some respects I know it sounds mad because you're at home and you have a player extra but you're 2-1 up against City park the bus but Schalke didn't do that and uh you know they they gave City a, a, a sniff and that's all this team needs is a sniff and uh they did the business
1: yeah, it uh, was a, it was a fascinating game to watch and two very surprising results and I'd picked Juve to go the whole way Nick but now I'm uh, beginning to think that uh, uh they've got uh, a bit of an obstacle. Now clearly they're going to be uh, going back to Turin uh having to score you know two goals to force extra time but I don't know Atletico it's a good team Nick.
2: I mean, really good team. I mean, uh, the, this is a this is a club that's been in the Champions League uh, finals in two of the last five years. I mean, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. But uh, I'm not going to say it's their time this time because you know I, I hitched my wagon to Manchester City a long time ago, and I'm not going to change that. But uh, I, I I pity that the team that's going to draw, and I I fully believe that Atletico will go to Madrid. To, to Turin and get, and get the results, and I pity the team that's going to draw uh, Atletico in the quarterfinals. I mean, that is the one team you, them and Barcelona, you don't want to face.
1: So Nick, uh, let's just say that Atleti go to Turin and get the win. Is that bye bye Allegri? Because I mean, he's really there. They brought Ronaldo in to win the Champions League.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's the big gamble, isn't it? I mean, they they've spent in the hundreds of millions, uh, I mean, not only on his transfer fee, but on his wages. I mean, it's a huge roll of the dice. I mean, they they were sick and tired. Juventus have beaten finalists the last couple of years uh, prior to Liverpool making the final. Uh, They rolled the dice and and they've thrown everything into this Ronaldo basket in the hopes of winning the Champions League. And I, I think what we saw today is that as brilliant as Ronaldo is, Sometimes he can't do it on his own. I mean, he needs everybody's help. Dabala was a little disappointing today. uh, Cialini, uh wasn't his usual rock-solid self. And it, it, in all intents and purposes, yeah, it, it took Atletico a long time to break him down. But Atletico looked like they were going to break him down at some point. So yeah, I, I think it was a bad day at the office for Juventus. I fully expect them to put together a real display in Turin. But as we just mentioned, this this team that Diego Simeone has crafted in his own image, they ain't going to roll over. They're not going to make it easy. Uh, there will be red cards in the return leg. Trust me.
1: But yeah, I want to ask about Allegri, though. I mean, look, he's been there since, what, 2014? So this is his uh, fifth season uh, at the Helm at Juventus. He's won Serie A four times. Uh, I think he's won the Italian Cup four times. Uh, or maybe not the Italian Cup. He's won, yeah, Coppa Italia. Uh, he's won the uh, Super Copa a couple of times. Uh, but I mean, he has a squad that is an embarrassment of riches. That's kind of expected. That should be just like punching the clock. He was brought in to win the Champions League, and and if he doesn't do it, you know, is uh, in his fifth year at the helm, Nick. I,
2: why keep him around? Well, I'm not sure if he was brought in to win the Champions League. I mean, I, th- I think I think managers at that level are, br- are brought in to to win everything. That that's kind of an unspoken unspoken contract that they all sign. Um, you know, there was many rumors going around before uh, Sari took the job at Chelsea that Allegri was going to be, you know, the next manager at Stamford Bridge. And uh, you know, we've we've been talking about uh, Maurizio Sari all week long and and how his his grip on the managerial position at the bridge is is so uh, tender right now. So, I mean, don't be surprised if uh, Juventus do not advance in the Champions League, do not win the Champions League. Do not be surprised if there's another Italian rolling up at Stanford Bridge yeah. come June.
1: Well, interestingly enough, Nick, uh, the two names that are being sung loud and clear through the leaks coming from the Chelsea front office are... Uh, Zinedine Zidane uh, or Frank Lampard. I, I can't see Zinedine Zidane taking this job without some serious guarantees of big money. I understand he wants a guaranteed transfer kitty of $200 million, uh at least and a commitment from Hazard that he's going to stay. I don't think he'd get either one. Uh, the other name, of course, is Frank Lampard and and, and Nick you know, I spoke to you two weeks ago about saying, do you think Chelsea's looking uh, looking north at what's happening at Old Trafford, thinking, ooh, maybe bringing in a former player with some management skills would be just what the doctor ordered? Could they be trying to do an ole-ole with Fat Frank? And it sounds like they might be.
2: Well, I, I think that would be, you know, madness on, on both parties. I, I don't think Lampard's ready for uh, a job of the Chelsea magnitude and – you know, I've said many times that Chelsea need to really get their act in order. And, and what I mean by that is by having some stability in the club. You know, the, the chopping and changing of managers has worked uh, over the last 15, 16 years. We've seen people come in, hit Grant, Grant, Matteo, firefight, win trophies. But at the end of the day, it's not a sustainable model in this uh, current climate for growth and stability.
1: No, it's not, Nick. It's not, which is exactly why Zidane is not going to take that job, which is exactly why I doubt Allegri would take that job. I think, you know, if you're looking, the one thing is he's had five years at Juventus. I mean, which Chelsea managers had five years at the helm, Nick?
2: Well, there's no Chelsea manager that's had five years in the helmet. Thank Exactly. That doesn't, so, that doesn't exist.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I don't see him taking that because no, no one's going to take on Chelsea Football Club as a short-term project because it isn't a short-term project. It's a long-term, highly valuable project with an avid supporters base with all sorts of expectation, with a billionaire owner who expects results. They may be in a position, Nick, where the only person that's going to take that job – is fat frank all right you're listening to fifth street soccer nicky brand nick webster with you we can find us on twitter i'm at Nikki, but he's at nick webster and i know we said we weren't going to talk about chelsea today i don't know how we came around to it but we did uh we will be right back to wrap it up by the way once again big hello to our men and women in uniform on american listening to us on american forces we love speaking with you and everybody as we do each and every weeknight, six PM Pacific, nine Eastern, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM two eleven, and the award-winning Sirius XM XM app. Uh, we will be right back after this.
0: 800-223-0992. 800-223-0992. That's 800-223-0992. If you or someone you love suffers from drug addiction, now is the time to utilize your private health insurance PPO plan. If eligible, receive up to $30,000 or more in substance abuse benefits with low or no out-of-pocket cost. We are the National Treatment Network, the premier drug and alcohol treatment referral service operating 24-7. We help connect you with facilities nationwide that accepts PPO private health insurance for substance abuse. If you have PPO substance abuse coverage and you need immediate admittance to a medical detox or residential rehab treatment center, call us now. Call our live referral helpline today. The call is free. This program is not available to Medicare or Medicaid customers call 800-296-1252 800-296-1252 800-296-1252 that's 800-296-1252 welcome
1: back to street soccer nick webster we are ran out of time what happens when you have a lot to talk about we didn't get to these discussions uh, rumors about gareth bale leaving real madrid some discussion uh, he might be used as part of a deal for Eden hazard uh, can you see gareth bale going to chelsea or, or by the same token some reports that real madrid interested in christian ericsson uh, might bundle him in a return to the new white Hart lane what do you think of that nick
2: well, I, I think the bail back to White Hart Lane rumours are a lot stronger than the bail to Stamford Bridge rumours. I don't see uh, Chelsea giving up their prized possession for Gareth Bale, who you know, wonderful player that he is. You know, can't be bothered to learn Spanish, so I mean, is he gonna is he gonna learn a little bit of uh, old, old West London? I doubt it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see him go back to Spurs. We, In a deal with Christian Eriksen, I mean, Tottenham don't pay the money. Uh, I think Eriksen's valued at something extraordinary right now. Bale, uh, for all his injury woes, probably doesn't command the price that he once did. That one makes the most sense to me.
1: Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, And if you are a Spurs fan listening to this smiling, you can smile more because supposedly test events proposed at the Newark Stadium for March 16th and 23rd. They may get this thing opened after all. Well, Nick Webster, want to um, say we I thought we had a great show today. Wasn't it great hearing about the US Soccer Foundation? And I and I do love I do love a, a good little bit of gossip going on there between uh, US Soccer and the US Soccer Foundation.
2: Yes, you you are the primo US Soccer basher in the United States. So that's a, that's a title that you should run with and relish. Really? You think I'm the primo basher?
1: Yeah, always
2: Oh, yeah, you, you, it's a lot love, to bash, love isn't it? You authority, Nick. I do. I do, Nick.
1: Probably need to seek therapy. All right, folks. We'll, we'll be back on the air tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. You get me, Nick Eber. You get Nick Webster as well. You get it all right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM211, Dan Patrick Sports. In the meantime, you can chat to us on Twitter, at Nick Eber for me, at Nick Webster for him, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash 5th for Street Sports Talk. I'd like to uh, thank Ed Foster Simeone from US Soccer Foundation for coming on. Of course, all the fine people at Sports Byline and SiriusXM for making this happen. Till tomorrow, folks, have a great night. Cheers.
2: Three, five,
1: seven,